Внимание! Начинается окончательный вычет. 10. I'm Rabbi Mark Goldsmith, and Sputnik was the first ever artificial satellite. It couldn't send back images of what it saw, just a beep that could be received by shortwave radio enthusiasts and mission control in Moscow. It orbited Earth every 98 minutes until its orbit naturally decayed in the following January, and it burned up in the atmosphere it had escaped weeks earlier. But it had told us something which is truly Torah. We were about to see something that had never been revealed to us before. Just a month later, in November 1957, Sputnik 2 was sent into space. This time, something living did experience this great revelation, but it couldn't tell anyone. Kudryavka was a dog, stray in the streets of Moscow before she was found by the Russian space programme. In the interest of international pronunciation, she was renamed Laika because she was destined for a unique task, to be the first living thing to a journey from Earth to space. Her life in orbit lasted about seven hours before she died, probably from stress and overheating. Her very public death was possibly the first time that the general public began to talk about the ethics of animal experimentation. There were demonstrations outside the United Nations in protest at how she'd been treated. It took until 1961 before the revelation was finally complete. In that year, a human being went into space. As Moses climbed Mount Sinai and came back and told us what he saw, Yuri Gagarin, the Russian cosmonaut, and Alan Shepard, the American astronaut, in separate missions, both saw the whole Earth from space. It was the first time in history that anyone other than God had ever done this. Rabbi David Saperstein of the Washington Religious Action Center calls this the revelation of our generation. Earth, without borders, without dividing lines, isolated in space. These are the words of Edgar Mitchell, one of the earliest astronauts. My view of our planet was a glimpse of divinity. Suddenly, from behind the rim of the moon, in long, slow-motion moments of immense majesty, there emerges a sparkling blue-and-white jewel, a light, delicate, sky-blue sphere laced with slowly swirling veils of white, rising gradually like a small pearl in a thick sea of black mystery. It takes more than a moment to fully realise this is Earth. Home. We are the first generation to see the whole of the Earth as one, to see the world with our own eyes as Judaism has always understood that God sees it. We understand our Sefer Torah to contain revelation to humanity, to guide us into the future. So this revelation of the whole earth has meaning as well, and is itself a part of Torah. What does this revelation mean to humanity? That's not a scientific question. It's a religious question. We can turn to those who can use words to bring us closer to truth. We begin with Primo Levi, 
who was of course a chemist, but who asked questions which religious authorities found too challenging. In a passage which will be quoted in our new movement for reform Judaism, Sidur, Seda Hatfilot. We are in the middle of the greatest of all cultural revolutions, one that is being carried through in silence by astrophysicists. The layperson, we are all lay people, with the exception of about a thousand specialists in the world, can only accept the vastness of the new celestial bodies, suppress fresh shudders, keep quiet and reflect. From recent interplanetary expeditions, we have learned more about the cosmos than we had deduced in all the preceding millennia. We have seen, among much else, that moon men, Venusians and Martians don't exist and have never existed. We are alone, 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 alone. But if the human mind has conceived black holes and dares to speculate on what happened in the first moments of creation, why should it not know how to conquer fear, poverty and grief? Over the past 50 years, it's been revealed to us that the Earth is one and that the Earth is alone. Our perspective has both widened and focused. We, humanity, are like a child who leaves the narrow but comforting scope of childhood, enclosed within family and school community, and then ventures into the adult world, now permitted to fully participate in the world, to be among those who order the world, to build and create life, but no longer with the boundless potential of a cared-for childhood. In the same way that an adult is charged with responsibility which we would never require of a child, so humanity with our now widened perspective is charged with a new responsibility. Now we have seen and know the whole of our lonely home planet, we have a changed responsibility for it. Neil Gilman in his wonderful Sacred Fragments writes, If we were to attempt to delineate God's ultimate purpose in revealing the Torah, it would have to be his concern with creating a certain kind of social order on earth. Judaism's emphasis is that religion must transform the world of everyday human activity. It has come at the point when industrial and domestic processes are having an accelerating effect upon the earth. Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz notes that In contrast to all the automatic patterns of forces functioning in the cosmos, Man alone moves independently within the system. It has to mean a change in behaviour, abounding by rules for the good of all. At Sinai we learnt that there was an absolute wrong to steal, to kill, to cheat and to disrespect God and humanity. Then we honed and refined these moral absolutes so that on Yom Kippur we are able to be clear what the sin we committed against God was. Thinking back day by day, over the past year. That Torah tells us not to destroy trees, even in a time of war, to care for the needs of the poorest, to be fair and equitable in business, to have stewardship of the world, to expect that our actions will bring about or halt the rains which we need for our agriculture and industries. Now, this does not end with our own local area. Now, not only are we our brother's keeper, but our brother lives on the other side of the globe. In the last few verses of the book of Jonah, Jonah sits outside the city of Nineveh, which has not been destroyed because the people within did change their behaviour and turned away from their destructive path. Jonah is miserable, though, 
because he was expecting to see a meltdown that did not happen. And then a little gourd shrub grows over him to protect him from the broiling sun. As Rabbi Arthur Waskow points out, Jonah's well-being depends on this small tree, a lower form of life that he had not planted or cared for. It shaded him from the broiling sun, yet he showed no concern or compassion for it until God took it away from him. Just as he had shown no concern or compassion for the people of Nineveh until God had him swallowed up by the sea in a fish. Jonah is ourselves. Not only do we often turn our backs to those of other communities and cultures, but we ignore the forests and the other life forms that sustain us. The forests care for us, look out for us, feed us oxygen, shade us. Can we learn from the story of Jonah? Or are we so uncaring, uncompassionate, that we will begin to care for them once God takes the forest away from us through the processes and consequences of our own acts? God tries to teach Jonah by making an analogy. As the tree is to Jonah, says God, so Nineveh is to me. This is puzzling. Jonah needs the tree. Though we usually think of trees as a lower form of life than human beings, Jonah needs the tree. Does God need Nineveh? Does Nineveh nurture God in something like the way in which the tree nurtures Jonah? Is God saying, this lower form of life, Nineveh, is necessary to me, to me, divine though I am? Perhaps, precisely because what it means to be divine is to care about all forms of life. To be divine is to care about all forms of life. To be human in the image of the divine and to have seen the whole earth is to join God in that care. This year ahead we need as Jews as well as simply as concerned people to care for the whole earth. As each year passes from the moments of that first revelation of the whole earth we need to be ever more conscious in our behaviour as consumers, as business people, as employers, as workers that there is no place nor people in the world whose needs we can ignore. We cannot afford to lose the fragile good that protects us. We cannot pass this loss off onto others. Love your neighbour as yourself. Now your neighbour is worldwide. In the words of the first verses of the Song of Songs, the king has brought me into his chamber. And we have seen the view from the window. This sermon was originally delivered at the Northwestern Reform Synagogue in London, commonly known as Aleph. Quotations were read by Danielle Black. If you would like to comment on any of the ideas and issues raised in this recording, please contact us by email on podcast at aleph.org.uk. Production was by Mal Wolford and sound design by Harash Patel. It is a Blue Blah production for the Northwestern Reform Synagogue.